welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Well, it's good to see you this morning. So yes, I am a theologian. Anyone who opens God's Word and reads it is a theologian, so lower your expectations right now. But it is good to be with you this morning as we carry on in our Proverbs series. And this morning, we're going to look at anger. Yeah. It seems that anger management classes are becoming really popular. You could say that they're all the rage. I'm here all week. No, I'm not. So I wonder, what makes you angry? Just think for a moment. What provokes you? What makes your blood boil? Maybe it's bad drivers, or people who queue jump, or sales phone calls at home, or running out of toilet paper, or when writing a sermon on, hang- on anger and having that little circle keep turning in the middle of the screen and going, oh, come on. Or maybe it's all of those things. Now, anger is defined as a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. It's an emotional response to situations that are either out of our control or out of our ability to understand, or both. Proverbs 14.7 says, A quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. Typically, anger rises when someone feels threatened or disturbed or otherwise interrupted from a more composed emotional state. Proverbs 29.22, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Often we become angry when life seems unfair or when we believe that we have been treated either unjustly or wrongly. When anger turns destructive, it can lead to all sorts of problems, and it can make us feel as though we're in the grip of a really powerful emotion, an emotion that's very unpredictable. Now, in this series, a lot has already been said about the book of Proverbs, so I just want to underline one thing. These short sayings give us a choice between wisdom and folly. Next slide. Thank you. These, uh, biblically, wisdom is the ability to make godly choices. It has nothing to do with your intelligence. We achieve this by knowing and applying God's truth. So biblically, folly is the choice to reject the principles and practices of God's righteousness. Proverbs 29.11 says, Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Proverbs 14.29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 16.32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Whoa, we could spend all day looking at that one. And so it goes on and on as we work through the book of Proverbs. The truth is, everyone gets angry. That's you, that's me, 
That's everybody. But we do express our anger in different ways. So psychologists have identified seven diverse types of anger. Five of these are negative, two of them are positive. So we have passive-aggressive anger. This could manifest itself in subtle insults, or doing things with ulterior motives, or just plain stubbornness. There's explosive anger, with sudden episodes of excessive rage that lead to fiery arguments, nasty insults, or even physical clashes. There's hardened anger, when someone has trouble forgiving others and holds grudges, often with a sense of bitterness. There's vengeful anger, when someone plots ways to take revenge or how to get another person or people back for something they said or did. There's chronic anger, when someone is angry most of the time. They wake up angry, they go through the day angry, they go to bed angry. Then we have the two that are more positive. There's incidental anger. Someone becomes angry about a particular event or situation, and anger is the motivator to do something about it. And empathetic anger. Someone is angry on behalf of someone else. Maybe how they're being treated, or something that they're facing. Wow, that's a lot of anger. And this can lead to heart problems, insomnia, digestion issues, mental health issues, high blood pressure, and more. But for us here this morning, that harmful anger causes wounds in our relationships with God, with ourselves, and with those around us. So first off, we might be angry with God. When life knocks us down, or maybe we go through a difficult or demanding circumstance, we might wonder, where was God? Where is God? What is he up to? We read about God working powerfully in other people's lives, but our pain and our situations remain the same, and we get angry with the Lord. God, why did you not, or why are you not doing something? And we only need to read the Psalms to see many examples of this. Or we might be angry with ourselves. What's wrong with me? I can't do anything. I'm completely useless, and that's why these things always happen to me. Although maybe our anger is masking something else. I saw a poster that said, I sat with my anger long enough until she told me her real name was grief. So we may encounter people who seem like they're always angry about something, but actually the battle they're fighting is really with themselves. Or we might be angry with other people. We probably know from experience that rage can shatter our communication and tear apart relationships. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And Proverbs 15.18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. It may be that you've been harmed or mistreated and have every right to be angry in some way, shape, or form, but unresolved anger can distract our minds 
and erode our souls. What we need is the freedom that only comes from Jesus Christ. Like everything in our lives, our emotions have been tainted by sin. We're made in the image of God, but we're broken and flawed. When we trust in Jesus, we become new creations, praise the Lord. But we also take our old mindsets, our family issues, our emotional baggage into our new lives in Christ. And God wants to work with us and help us with our anger issues. Some of us may try and justify our anger instead of accepting it. Maybe we dismiss our temper and tell ourselves that that's just the way that we're made. We're from a hot-headed family, or we have a fiery personality. But again, God wants to meet us in our harmful anger and transform our hearts. It should be clear that anger does not help people to think or to choose wisdom over folly. Proverbs 19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Now, we might think that the Old Testament shows us a God of anger. But while it's true that God, that God does get angry, that's very clear, his anger is way more nuanced and patient than we might realize. Exodus 34, 6 is the most repeated verse in the whole Bible. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And in Psalm 30, verse 5, for God's anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. If we look at the life of Jesus, some of us might have a picture of gentle Jesus. This is a passive guy wandering around and for some reason always holding a sheep. However, it's very clear that Jesus did get angry, even livid. But we need to ask, what made Jesus angry? So I'd like you to the per turn to the person or the people around you and answer that question. What made Jesus angry? I'll give you a few moments. Okay, so the most obvious example of Jesus' anger is in the clearing of the temple when Jesus flipped tables and released animals. Well done. Give yourself a pat on the back. However, this wasn't blind fury. This was controlled anger. Jesus turned over the tables. He didn't turn over the people. He was furious with the temple authorities who were making it hard for people, mainly Gentiles, to pray by turning the temple courts into a marketplace. The Gospels are clear that Jesus never got angry when someone disagreed with him or criticized him. Even when he was betrayed and unjustly persecuted, we don't read about him becoming outraged. But he was furious at the mistreatment of other people. In Mark 3, 5, Jesus went to a synagogue where there was a man with a withered hand. We read, he looked at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, and he healed the man. In John eleven thirty three, 33, and the raising of Lazarus, we read, when Jesus saw Mary weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. 
the bit that I've italicized and underlined is extremely unhelpful and rather vague, to say the least. The root of the Greek here means to snort in anger. Think of a raging bull or a warhorse. The message translation captures the thrust of this expression really well. It translates this verse as, when Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. Well, of course it did. This is the prince of life who came to bring life and he is completely incensed by death. So Jesus gets angry. So anger in itself is not sin, but it can lead in that direction. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So be angry, but don't sin. When you crack that one, you can contact me afterwards. So there's an appropriate time to be furious when we're confronted with cases of poverty, cruelty, prejudice, oppression, and evil, it's absolutely right that we get angry. When we hear stories, whether local or national or even international, there would be something ungodly about us if we didn't feel outraged. However, none of that should obscure when our anger is sinful. So I'd like to lay out four points with the acronym TRIP, and that's because all of us can stumble, stumble over our sinful anger. So trip. So what do we need to do as we deal with this this morning? First, we need to think about our anger. We need to get into the details of our anger and understand its source. When we find ourselves getting angry, it's good to ask, why was that emotion rising? Why did that rage come to the surface and our peace begin to vanish? Maybe at the end of each day, we can look back and reflect on why did we get so angry? What were the triggers? How did we react? And going forward, how can we change this? In James 1, 19 and 20, we read, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. I wonder how many of us it's slow to listen and quick to speak. And James explains this because when you do that, you are slow to become angry. He goes on, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So this first point, this will take some humility. But we need to get to the point where our harmful anger sets off an alarm in our hearts so that we can understand that it's there, reject it, or at least do something with it. Secondly, we need to repent of our anger. Through the cross and resurrection, Jesus has dealt with all of our guilt, sin, and shame. We've sung about it earlier. So we can go to him and find forgiveness about our messy and rebellious emotions. Usually our outbursts of anger are way stronger than the situations they're kicking against. And that might mean that we also lack forgiveness towards anyone who has aggravated or frustrated us. So we need to repent. We need to ask God that in his mercy, he will forgive us for our anger and fill our hearts with his compassion. Repentance is always so much more than simply asking for forgiveness. 
because our goal is to change. We want to bring honor to God and we want to become more and more like Jesus. If you recall the fruit of the Spirit, this includes patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All of those stand against anger. And then thirdly, we need to imitate Jesus. Jesus is both wisdom and love personified. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This is a description of God's anger, of God's character even, our anger. But also, if we really understood that we are beloved sons and daughters of the king of the universe, it would go such a long way in helping us to become unflappable and unoffendable. So we need to receive his love for ourselves, but also remember that Jesus taught that we should love our families, our neighbors, and our enemies. As we've seen, Jesus became angry when other people were mistreated or neglected, and this is our pattern to follow. You might find it helpful to read through the Gospels and see how, jo- uh, how Jesus interacted with people and how he um, worked with them and to meditate on those things. And then finally, we need to pray about our anger. We obviously need to pray and ask friends maybe as well to join with us in praying about our anger. We can talk to God about anything and he's interested in our anger. Philip Yancey wrote, I should deliver those feelings stripped bare to God. God can handle my unsuppressed rage. Only by taking those things to God will I have the opportunity for correction and healing. God always wants to meet with us. And being completely honest with how we feel is a way to express our faith. We're trusting the Lord with the hardest and often the most tender parts of who we are. And we come to God with all of that. So anger, as we look through Proverbs, we see it popping up all over the place. If we look back over some of the other things that we've looked at in this series in terms of relationships, even generosity, we can see how anger begins to impact every aspect of our lives. When I agreed to talk on anger, I didn't realize quite how much I would need to self-reflect on my own anger. And I think God is calling all of us to wonder about where we are in terms of our anger. What do we get angry about? Don't forget there's some good sides to that. But the hurtful, the harmful anger, how are we going to deal with that as we move forward? So in praying for this message, there are several groups of people who may want to respond. First of all, for anyone who would like prayer because they have anger issues. This is a safe space. Secondly, anger can mask other feelings, as we've seen. So anyone who would like prayer because their anger is connected to betrayal or fear or shame 
or something else. And thirdly, I think we also need to pray for those who've been on the receiving end of anger. Maybe you're carrying hurt or sadness or wounds from angry people, and we would love to pray for you as well. So before we do anything else, let's just pause. If you find it helpful, close your eyes just because it's less distracting. And let's just bring our hearts, our lives, our minds, our souls, our whole beings towards God and ask the Spirit if he wants to say something to us particularly this morning. So let's just pause and wait. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.